Welcome everyone. I'm Carolina Strass, uh, and this is Avenue Code Extraordinary Women in Tech podcast. Today for our podcast, I'm happy to host Sunita Ultra. She is the Senior VP of Software Engineering at Moody's Investor Service. Welcome Sunita, and thank you so much for accepting our invitation. Thank you so much for having me, Caroline. I'm honored to be here. Lovely. So, well, the first thing, and I think everyone wants to know a little bit more about you. So if you could share a little bit more about your background and your journey in tech and how you got started. Of course. So uh, first of all, yeah, I'm Sunita Utra. I'm, I'm a technology leader with uh, 20 plus years of experience in financial industry. Um, the way I describe myself is that I'm a lifelong learner <laughs> who's been in, who's had the opportunity to lead business transformation and, and in multiple leadership positions across multiple companies. But that's who I am at my core. I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner. Um, I'm also really passionate about uh, empowering women, especially in STEM. And I'm associated with several organizations as a mentor uh, to enable the next generation of technology leaders as well. Um, and um, as far as how did I get started uh, in tech? So um, just I'm going to go a little bit into history here. <laughs> so I grew up in India as the oldest of four daughters for my parents um, who came from humble beginnings and, you know, rose in their respective lives with their grit and resilience. In fact, my mother was one of the first women to ever work in a major bank in India. So she's been my my biggest inspiration. And an interesting fact um, is that I come from a family of bankers. My grandfather was a banker. Five of his seven children were banker. A number of my cousins, even my sister is now a banker. And I grew up saying, I do not want to work in a bank. Well, lo and behold, most of my career now has been with banks. So that's the irony of fate. Yeah. But, um, I wanted to be a doctor uh, from my early age, math and science were my thing. But as I got into high school, I realized that wasn't working out so well. So I decided to give up biology, just stick with math, physics, chemistry. And the first thing I noticed when I got to class was that I was the only girl in that class. So yeah, that was an awkward <laughs> moment for a 16 year old me. Um, but you know, I, uh, it was, when I was growing up in India at that time, India was at the cusp of, you know, rapid changes and advancements in technology. And there was a whole lot of curiosity about what impact it could have on people's lives. And that curiosity basically was what led me to, uh, to pursue a career, a master's degree, and then a career in tech. I remember when I started coding, we still had COBOL, which is now like a dinosaur of programming. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> you know, um, and in college, the first time I did coding was creating a program in Pascal. And that literally was my very first code. And I remember I did it on a PC. And for printing, we had those weird looking printers, you know, where we had to put in those special sheets with holes on both sides would get stuck ever so often. <laughs> so, but... Um, it's been it's been quite a journey and i'm so grateful for it no definitely and it's so nice to hear like those names of things that i'm not familiar with because i'm not <laughs> on our life anymore but i think like with all this experience and going through all this transformation you got a lot of experience and insights for your future right 
Good. But uh, one thing that we, on our previous conversations, you mentioned that you took a career break to uh, for the motherhood. And if you could share a little bit, how was the experience to return to work and return to your career after this break? I think that's something that all women in tech kind of struggle with, with this work balance. But taking a break, I think that's so brave. And also returning after that, I think it's even braver. No, thank you. Certainly. Well, first, I want to emphasize that taking a break uh, is a personal decision and there's no right or wrong answer. You know, for me, it was a decision that I made wholeheartedly. And during that time, I completely focused on being a full time mother. Um, returning to the workforce, though, was a challenge. You know, there were strong cultural stereotypes as well about working women, especially as they move into motherhood. And add to that, um, the fact that in technology, things are constantly evolving and at a very, you know, really fast pace. And to get back after the break was, um, there was a lot of catch up to do in terms of new technologies, industry developments. It was a crisis in confidence for me, you know, and, and I had to work really hard to gain that back because I started doubting my own abilities. Um, and once I was back in the workplace, you know, the reality kicked in again. You know, I had my hands full between a full family life with two small kids and a demanding job that took over an hour to travel at that time. Um, but at the same time, this experience has given me a unique perspective, you know, on how to support working mothers now as a leader and, and create a more uh, equitable workplace for all. You know, it also taught me the importance of setting my own priorities, you know, finding a balance between personal and professional responsibilities, a balance that I create and that works for me. You know, I also want to connect this, Carolina, to the fact that one of the biggest challenges we see for women in tech is a lack of representation, right? Women are still underrepresented in, in tech, um, engineering and leadership roles, I think roughly 25% um, is, the, is the statistic um, that's yeah. out there. And women are still more likely to take on the majority of caregiving responsibilities within a household, right? Believe it or not, 76% was a statistic published um, by United Nations or globally. And so um, they end up putting in double duty almost you know, almost double duty to balance the work and personal expectations. I know I did when my kids were little. Mm -hmm. But that lack of representation translates into a lack of appreciation for that extra work that women might be doing in that position. But more importantly, into lack of appropriate company policies, you know, to provide support. Um, as a young mother was first trying to get back to the workforce after a break and then struggled to keep up with everything um, at work and home, I can tell you firsthand that it took a lot of um, hard work, of course, and sweat, but also guilt to get through that yes. balance. And, and most important, you know, so it, the returning to work or taking a turning to work after a break, it requires a shift in mindset, you know, adjusting to a new kind of balance and most importantly having the right support system you know these days i love the program several companies have now um instituted to support people like me who've taken a break like 
returnship program, I think is the term that's used, which I love. Um, and it's important for the companies to recognize the value of, uh, you know, the w- value that these women bring with their, you know, experiences and perspectives and create environments that support their success. Yes, absolutely. And I think like having, going through all this experience, I know your team probably has this amazing leader where if they're facing any kind of problems or the same situation, you're even more supportive. And I think like women groups, just like ours, like interacting with more people, sharing best practice, sharing experience, seeing that it's normal is what we go through and people need to really acknowledge and accept those challenges of life, not only about work. And so I think it really combines our initiative on what we do and our goal to really network everyone and and combine those experiences. And so that's uh, to my follow-up question is, how do you think those support groups of women impact the future of technology and also this kind of um, uh, situations where people take breaks and also like best practice in the market, how this, uh, how is this affecting and impacting everyone? Huge. <laughs> the support groups uh, for women in tech can have a huge impact. Uh, women, you know, they currently make up, like we discussed, a relatively small percentage of the tech workforce. And, and those of us that are there are often faced with unique challenges, you know, whether it is sometimes being overlooked for opportunities or being undervalued for our contributions or what have you, you know, having these groups provides a community and a network for women to connect and to learn from each other, to support each other and, and lift each other up. You know, there are, there are countless women who have faced challenges and obstacles similar to what I or you or anyone else might have faced, right? But who also share your values, you know, but who dare to still dream big and, and have made incredible strides in their fields. And support groups provide an opportunity to learn from them, be inspired and, you know, know that you too can make a difference, you know, engage with each other, lean on each other for encouragement. And um, it's important that women have the access to such resources and the support, because by doing so, you know, we create a more just society, equitable society for all. And um, as you empower women to participate fully in the workforce and the leadership role, that just unlocks their unique perspectives bring that to the table, which adds to the diversity of the sort of the think machines that we have and and just, you know, helps with the uh, driving of innovation and progress in, you know, so many industries. And as we empower each other, we help each other break down our own individual barriers as well as the collective barriers that we might see across society. And I think it gives give us more confidence to keep yeah. pers- to keep doing and uh, really to to have this confidence. And it, I think that's the key word whenever we're talking about women in tech and women in general. Yeah. But well, you mentioned at the beginning about like hands-on coding and all. So you transition for from a hands-on developer to this exceptional leader. So can you tell us a little bit more how was this transition in? how you strike to create an inclusive team culture? Yeah, of course. Um, transitioning from a hand-on 
developer to a leadership role has been, I'm going to say a learning journey, you know, and it's not just about technology, even though I am in technology, but it's not just about technology, right? It's about, it's learning about people, about relationships, about collaboration, about yourself. You know, you learn a lot about yourself as well, you know, about taking risks and, and how to continue to find ways to um, add value in whatever you are doing or wherever you are, you know, you, but, but what is important is that you have to have a, a constant desire to learn and grow, you know, despite the challenges. In fact, using the challenges as an impetus for your growth, you know, we, um, as women, we often doubt ourselves and, and our, become our own worst critics. And that becomes uh, our biggest barrier. I was um, reading this book, Good Power by Ginny Rometty. She's a remarkable leader who uh, was the CEO of IBM for and for 40, well, she was with IBM for 40 some years. Mm-hmm. Uh, she talks about self-doubt and feeling like an imposter, which let's be truthful, everyone has felt at one time mm-hmm. or the other. Um, she says that anytime you have that sort of nagging feeling, you remind yourself of the incredible learning opportunity it is. So change the lens with which you look at that self-doubt, you know? So what is also important is taking calculated risks, you know, whether it means speaking up or in a meeting or raising your hand for uh, an assignment, you know, that's going to be challenging. Um, but, you know, going back to our, our support uh, support system, you know, it's, it's important that we, as we go through that journey, we build strong relationships, you know, with your colleagues, with your mentors, with, uh, you know, your network, because these relationships are what sort of provide you with valuable advice and opportunity for growth, developing your career. And I feel that as a leader, this feeds into the kind of culture you build for the teams, right? So a positive and and an inclusive work environment um, makes the team members feel valued for what they bring to the table. And and that is the best, you know, so as you support each other, as you respect each other, that's the best way to build those relationships. You know, Maya Angelou said, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel, right? So that to me is the most important thing. That's beautiful. And I love this phrase, like make the way you you make people feel, I think that's the most powerful thing ever. And one thing that I always like to get on this discussion about the imposter imposter syndrome is the, well, I think it hunts us down for where do we go and we need to deal with it. And one thing that I learned is how to deal with the syndrome, the imposter syndrome that I have is to really fight fight it back and be even more prepared. So whenever I face any challenge that I know is not my strength, it can be my weakness, I try to be even more prepared to fight it whenever it comes for, whenever I need to face that. So being prepared and I think trying, trying to see it in the positive side that will give you some strength if you're prepared to fight with it. I think that's that's awesome. Yeah, like I said, you know, as uh, as Ginny Rometty says in the book, you know, look at it as a learning opportunity. Anytime you are going into a new arena, a new space where like, how am I going to accomplish this? Think of it as, oh, new thing. I don't know much about this, but here you go. Here's another learning opportunity. And that's where the learning, 
you know, the the learning mindset comes into play, a continuous learning mindset. Sure. And I love that because one of our DNAs here at Avenue Code, like the key things that we have is the continuous learning. So we're always pushing people to learn even more. That's beautiful. Well, we started at the beginning talking about like some old technologies and what you learn uh, through your career. But now I want to bring more about digital transformation and AI. And because it's kind of high in the market right now, so I want to know how do you see those developments and their importance for company to adopt, particularly within your industry? Of course, well, digital transformation and AI are crucial for companies to adapt to today, right? Uh, it's rapidly changing business landscape. Technology is now essentially cornerstone of every business, right? And the companies that don't embrace that it is falling behind their competitors. AI in particular, you know, it's transforming many industries, especially as we talk about finance tech, you know, by enabling companies to, whether it's automate tasks, gain insights from large data sets, make more informed decisions. AI is being used for new business models or products or streamline the existing uh, ones. And of course, you know, personalized customer experience to name a few. I mean, chat GPT has taken us all, taken the whole, you know, whole environment in a storm. But it's an exciting time to be in the in technology. And I believe that, like I said, companies that embrace the new concepts will be the ones that thrive in the years to come. Having said that, while we need to continue to adapt to these new tech and find ways to incorporate them into our work. We also need to consider the ethical and social implications of these technologies, right? The evolving nature of AI can understandably cause apprehension in people because it's an unknown for the most part. For general people, it's unknown, right? But this is where having a foundation of trust is, is really impactful. And so trust becomes the key ingredient for an AI-ready culture. And and diversity and in, it plays a, a key role here as well. I mean, think about it. In terms of AI, it would be fundamental to have a, a diverse group of people that create the models for AI, right? People with uh, diverse backgrounds, viewpoints, sexual orientations, or beliefs. So we can prevent the biases that might um, inadvertently seep into AI. Um, tech in ta is now, you know, tech has the power to shape the future because really every company is a tech company now, right? And so yeah. it's essential that tech not just reflects the values of society, but plays its part in lifting up those values as well. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I know we still have like a long way to go and we're just starting with AI, but it's exciting. Being in tech right now, I think like we're lucky to see all the changes that we're going yeah. through. Perfect. So I think our time is up. Thank you so much, Sunita, for being here with us today. I really look forward to see you in our in-person events and also in any other events that we're doing remotely. So thank you everyone that also who tune in here. I see you soon and thanks everybody. Thank you for having me and for the opportunity to share. It's been an honor for me. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you so much. Thanks.